So for you, what are you looking for in that right person so you can train them correctly? So I've had some of the best salesmen uh, within my operation that come from other places, right? Mm -hmm. But they might not last very long because they have their own culture, their own way of doing things, right? What I look for more than hard skills, I don't look for can this person sell? What kind of track record do they have? A lot of our competitors look for, hey, bring me a pay stub that shows me that you've made $2,000 a week somewhere else and we'll give you a sign-on bonus. I don't want those people. Mm -hmm. I want people that have the soft skills, right? So I'm looking for people that have the right mindset. You know, I look for former athletes or athletes, people that are competitive. and welcome back to the latest episode of the Command Your Brand Show. And guys, I'm really excited for the guests that we have today because we're going to dive deep into creating more revenue and you know really scaling the offers you have out there as we have someone that is an absolute expert in, in that area. Our guest today is Jay Abdulaziz, and uh, he has been for over two decades He's been in the insurance industry. He's been absolutely killing it over there. And uh, we're excited to dive into things him, with him today. Jay, thanks for hanging out with me today, sir. Jeremy, thanks for having me. Very excited to be here and uh, excited to just uh, share the phone sales and insurance experience with you. Absolutely. So for people that may not be familiar with you or familiar with your story, Jay, just you know, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got here, man. Sure. Uh, so background, uh, my parents are both from Pakistan, right? So... Um, they both migrated over here in the early 70s. I was born here. Um, they, uh, you know, we speak a uh, different language. So technically English is my second language. Um, mm. And when I, you know, started out, uh, you know, right out of high school, I started getting into phone sales and I sold vacations right out of high school. Prior to that, I was uh, a sandwich artist at Subway, right? So. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I got into phone sales, selling vacations. Um, after a couple of years of doing vacations, I started to get into the insurance sales. Um, I worked my way up from the top agent at the company I was at. I worked my way up to assistant manager, then manager. Eventually I became the director of operations. And to make a long story short, in 2010, I started my phone sales career in 2005. In 2010, I started my first health insurance agency. And I started it with the owner of the company I was working for before. So he was my first investor and my first insurance agency. And fast forward till now, uh, we've done, I've done $350 million in insurance premiums and counting. Uh, I own 10 different businesses uh, that are, some are investments, some I operate. And uh, that's, that's where I'm at today. So, so let me ask you this then, Jay, um, you, you mentioned one thing that I find really interesting. Um, you said that you had started out at an agency, you were doing really well there. And then the person running that agency became one of your, your first customers. Is that correct? He was my first investor. So first investor. Okay. So how did, so let's talk about that. Like how, how does, how does that work? Cause I think for a lot of people, like, you know, maybe they've done really well, they're like working at someone else's business and they're very competent at that. And they're, they're looking to, to kind of go to that next level, but they don't know where to go. It sounds like this was an interesting strategy. So tell me about that. Yeah. So insurance is uh, very, it, it might be similar, but it's, it's different the way that I look at it because when you help people expand, 
you actually help yourself as well, right? Like as people grow and you're able to help them get to the next level, it helps you get to the next level. So in, in the situation of the owner of the company I was working for, starting up that agency with me was actually a blessing for him as well, right? For me, for him, it worked out for everyone. The way that it ended up working out was he put me under his contract, right? And mm -hmm. what that means is in the insurance business, when you put somebody under your contract, you make an override for every sale that they get, right? So anybody that any agencies that they bring on as downlines, you benefit from that as well, right? Mm -hmm. So I ended up bringing on 10 different insurance agencies under my umbrella, and he ended up benefiting from my agency, which was our agency together, along with all the other 10 agencies that I brought on. Uh, mm. So that's how it ended up working out. But, uh, you know, as I made my way to director of operations one day, you know, I decided that I wanted to go ahead and start up my own agency. So I went to friends and family first um, and I made sure that I had something lined up in the event that he said no. Uh, but. I went to friends and family. They were ready to make an investment in my agency. Then I went to him and I said, look, out of courtesy, I would love to do this with you. But if things won't work out with you, then I'm going to have to go in a different direction. And he ended up uh, wanting to do it together. And it worked out very well. So, so let me ask you this. Um, you know, you mentioned that, you know, the amount of insurance business you've written, you've, you've, you've done quite a bit of it. I'm curious, what, if, what for you has been the secret to, to, to doing more of that? Like what's been your secret to scale? Like, and, and, and kind of getting more, you know, contracts under you like that. Our model. Um, okay. so I remember, uh, you know, a long, long time ago, I was listening to, uh, I went to a conference and I was listening to, uh, one of the guys, the guys was making, uh, at the time, I mean, he was, he was making $50 million a year. He was, uh, I forget the guy's name, but he was, he was speaking at this conference. And I, all, I, all I remember what stuck with me was he said, when I was on the phones and when I was selling, I was making 5 million to 10 million a year. But when I was able to replicate myself and recruit and build more of myself, that's how mm. I made it to the 50 million mark. Right. Mm -hmm. So that really stuck with me. And to answer your question, I think the secret sauce is the model. Right. Mm -hmm. Our model has become very, um, very scalable in the sense that we can turn somebody with very little to no experience. Actually, people that those are the people we prefer. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't like to bring on people that have sales experience only because they come from different places. They have their own habits. I like a clean slate. I like somebody yeah. that's really never done it before. And then we can put them through our training process. And we've built a process out from mindset training all the way through sales training and how to one call close. Mm -hmm. And scaling that team has been the secret to our success. I think that's a really, really important point because I think at the same time, like, so I've run a PR agency for gosh, since 2015 now, but we do things a lot differently than traditional PR. We're looking at like, okay, we're going to promise you the product you're getting every month rather than like, well, pay us and you may or may not get something. It's, it's very different than how PR works. So because of that, 
I have to look for people that weren't corrupted by the PR industry, which is you schmooze, you do some stuff, you kind of make it look like you're, you're busy. And it's just like you're saying, like, I don't want to pick up other people's corruption. I want to train people the right way. So I'm curious when you're looking for that right person, what do you look for? Because that, like, you can't scale without people. You cannot. So for you, what are you looking for in that right person so you can train them correctly? So I've had some of the best salesmen uh, within my operation that come from other places, right? Mm -hmm. But they might not last very long because they have their own culture, their own way of doing things, right? What I look for more than hard skills, I don't look for can this person sell? What kind of track record do they have? A lot of our competitors look for, hey, bring me a pay stub that shows me that you've made $2,000 a week somewhere else and we'll give you a sign-on bonus. I don't want those people. Mm -hmm. I want people that have the soft skills, right? So I'm looking for people that have the right mindset. You know, I look for former athletes or athletes, people that are competitive. Mm -hmm. um, I look for that, you know, I have a series of questionnaires that I go through with people and that really gets me to understand their mindset, right? Are they, are they, capitalism or are they socialism right do they think that they <laughs> should be oh, so, so wait you don't want to hire people that want other people to make them successful you want people that want to do it themselves yeah, yeah <laughs> right? like, i don't want people that are looking for the government aid that feel like you know that have the victimhood mentality I want the people that, have but that, that you know what's sad, Jay, that's rewarded in society. Now that's the sad part is it's being a victim is rewarded in society now. And those of us running businesses that want to scale don't want that. They don't get rewarded here. I'll tell, I'll tell yeah. you that <laughs> they don't get rewarded here and they know it. And our culture, you know, obviously company culture is key, right? Mm -hmm. And we know in our interview process, if this person's going to fit in our culture or not, mm -hmm. but even if they slip through the cracks, they're going to be in this culture where they'll be shamed if they're not performing and they're going to weed mm. themselves out anyway. Right. And that's what we want. We want to weed out the people that, you know, that are full of excuses that have that victimhood mentality. Oh my God, why am I not getting leads? Blah, blah, blah. Right. So mm -hmm. what we look for is that soft skill, that hunger, the drive, um, you know, some companies, some of the owners that I talk to, my friends, like they refuse to hire older people because they say, look, the older people, they're kind of, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks and they're not hungry and driven. But guess what? I've had some people that are in their 50s that come and their drive is better than the 18 year old. So mm -hmm. I look for that drive. I don't care who or what you are, as long as you have that drive mm -hmm. and that mindset and the soft skills that we look for. Um, I can scale with you and I've been wrong a few times, but most of the time I'm pretty spot on. So, so let me ask you this then, Jay, you mentioned that interview process. Do you have, are there a couple questions in particular that like help you tease that out or is it more of a feel for the person or, or what is that for you? It's, uh, for me, it's more, I mean, I've, I've done this to the point where now like for my recruits, they have like a questionnaire they go through and then they kind of understand for me, I really go through their experience and I can just ask them some real life questions about, uh, you know, what they've uh, just about their experiences that can tell mm -hmm. me where their mind's at. Right. So, like, for example, like where, you know, what, what did you do last? Where were you? OK. And what happened? Right. Um, why did you end up leaving? Now, 
most of the time, the first answer people will give you will be more of a, I guess, a fluff answer. Just, yeah, things didn't work out. You know, uh, the company moved or they just changed direction. What I'm looking for is, are they going to take accountability for whatever it is that happened that had them part ways if mm-hmm. it was in fact something, you know, so if there was an event that took place, I look for if they're going to take accountability. I look for, you know, I, I just look for that mindset, right? So if they, for example, tell me, well, I was discriminated against, I know more than likely that's not real. And I can kind of feel out that they might, you know, they might have that mindset that I'm not looking for. Right. Sure. So through a series of questions, um, And it really depends on the flow of the conversation. And I could take it in different directions and really understand their mindset. I don't ask very specific. I'm not going to ask like, you know, are are you a socialist or are you a capitalist? As an employer, there are certain things you can't ask, right? Like, so like, and that's, that's, that's the thing you have to, that that's kind of the dance you have to do, which is interesting. So you have to ask like the right, like, for example, like as an employer, you, you can't ask somebody about their kids, but if they volunteer you information about their family, then you can start asking them questions about it. So it is, it's a dance, man. It definitely is. And you have to figure out like, is, is this the type of person I want in my group? I, and, that, and that's vital. But I guess, I guess looking at that then, so like you get the right people on your team, you mentioned that, you know, you've had a lot of success with phone sales and you've had a lot of success in, in teaching your people to close quickly. Sure. I'm curious when you're looking at that, um, what does that process look like? How have you been able to get people, number one, trained in that? And number two, like, what does the actual sales process look like that's worked so well? Yeah. So one of the soft skills I look for is just pure communication, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, are they able to speak? So like part of our interview process, you know, we'll give them a script and kind of let them go improv, right? Just, you know, let's, let's role play. Let's see where you're at. Just make sure they can read, make sure they can understand, comprehend, you know, make it feel like a conversation. So once we have that soft skill down, we have scripts, right? So everything is transfer of information in my mind. So when I think about how do I replicate myself or how do I replicate a specific department? It's all about transfer of information and how easy is it to transfer that information? So we have our scripts in place. We have our training in place and everyone sort of goes through that process. So the training is one full day, right? What I like to train on mainly is the script and the one call close. Mm-hmm. I like to go about, so the script, if you just read that script word for word, exactly the way it's designed, you can sound like you've been doing this for years, right? Mm-hmm. This is why I don't like people that come from other places uh, that have, you know, that, that come with their bad habits because First of all, they're not going to be on the same accord with all of our people. I like everyone to be on the same accord. And I'm a little OCD about that. So I want to make sure everyone is reading the same script word for word uh, and not even just word for word. But like, obviously, you have to build rapport. You have to put your own personality into it. Mm-hmm. But the framework, the way I see a one call close, this is how I see a one call close. Right. This is the illustration for people that could see. For me, the sale opens up right here where it's wide open for, you know, questions and wide open for fact finding and wide open as an opening. And as you start to get towards this point, Mm -hmm. you're closing it in. You're Mm -hmm. at this point where you're at the top is where you've gone through your fact finding. You've gone through your presentation. You've gotten to the end where you're ready to close the sale 
And at this point, you're in a corner where the customer's either going to say no to you mm-hmm. or they're going to enroll into a policy or buy your product, right? This mm-hmm. is what a, a one call close for me looks like. I so, think that's really important too. And just for people listening to the audio version, Jay was was demonstrating a triangle and the triangle being that base of where you're building, um, you know, a cord, you're getting in more communication with them. That tri- the top of that triangle being where you're getting to a decision point. And I think the thing that's really important about that, Jay, um, is you get a lot of people that they'll take the sales cycle and they don't get a decision either way from the person. And to me, that tells you, you didn't do enough, right? From the standpoint of them, like get them to the point of at least tell me yes or no. And if I know yes or no, I know at least what I'm working with. But I think a lot of times you get people that are like, oh, well, that's nice, or that could be okay, or, you know, whatever. You don't get somebody that pushes hard enough to actually get to that point of the decision-making. Right. So, to, yeah. So going back to our process, right? So our script is designed with that exact framework, which it looks like a triangle. So we open up, uh, we go into our fact finding, right? So the fact finding is where you're digging for information. So for example, with us, health insurance has been my niche since 2006, right? So mm-hmm. the first very, you know, there's a series of questions where we're asking people, you know, if they have health insurance now, if so, how much are they paying? Is the, is the insurance through their job? Is it through an, you know, is it through an employer or is it private? Going through a series of, you know, pre-existing health conditions, what medications do you take? Blah, 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 right? What's your monthly affordability? We're going through all these fact-finding questions. Then we get into our presentation, right? Going into our presentation, we're giving them a gist of what the product entails. It's going to provide coverage for your doctor visits, diagnostic testings, prescriptions, emergency room, uh, you know, we're getting into the gist. We give them what the monthly premium is going to be. And now before we continue and going, go over all the details of your plan, is that affordable for you today? So mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're doing this pre-qualification and really setting up for the close right after our fact finding. And then we're getting into our presentation. What product are we offering? You know, and then we're going in for the close. So by the time we get to that, the peak of the triangle, right? We've already pre-qualified them. We made sure it's affordable for them. So, you know, what we've determined is there's only three main reasons why people won't buy today, right? It's money, time, and legitimacy. Now, obviously there's exceptions to the rule. Um, I don't have my wallet on me. You know, you got the, uh, a few legitimate excuses and reasons why people won't buy, but three main things. They don't trust you. They're, you know, they're concerned about legitimacy. Who are you? What company are you with? You know, I've never heard of you. I don't give my credit card over the phone. They're all concerned about legitimacy. Time. Mm-hmm. They have insurance through a job now. They, you know, they won't lose that insurance for three months. Well, you should have found that out in the fact finding process, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, money, time, legitimacy. And then, you know, you've got the, the money situation. If it's not affordable for them, you're going to find out in the beginning in the first five to 10 minutes of that call. So when I, when I drop this triangle for you, right, when we're at this peak point, they're either going to enroll into the plan or they're going to have one of those, you know, one reason why they're not enrolling, which is mainly comes down to legitimacy for all my phone sales guys out there. You know, that's probably the number one objection that you get. So, so let me ask you this then, um, in, in, when you get into, cause at the same time, like you teach that process, you get it rolling. 
what about when you get a guy bugged, right? Like you get a guy that, you know, he's been on the phone a lot. It's not going well. Like, like how do you handle that situation too? Cause I think like quality control is also one of those vital things that a lot of entrepreneurs are missing, but that's how you, that's how you handle scale, right? Like if you have a bug, you got to kind of get it out. Oh yeah. Um, so are you asking what we do in the situation? Yeah. How do you quality, how do you quality control that situation when somebody's like, you know, maybe they've, they've trained, they've been on the phone a lot, they're getting no closes. Like, like how do you handle a situation like that? Because I'm sure there's some people that maybe they're just not cutting the mustard. There's other ones that like, maybe they're doing something wrong or something's out. Yeah. So usually it's funny because, uh, when people come fresh out of training, right? Day one, they just gone through their training. They're excited. They're pumped. What I always like to say is beginners look for opportunities and experts look for obstacles, right? Mm, I like so that. When these guys are fresh in training day one, they see the opportunity. They meet some of the people within our organization that are making the amounts of money that these guys aspire to make. And they're, they're pumped. They're excited. They're like, oh, my God. If this person can do it, you know, and we all judge, you know, I did when I, when, when I go in, I see somebody at the top of the board and I'm like, that person's at the top of the board, <laughs> right? And that's the mindset we look for anyway, right? So when these people come fresh out of training, they're so pumped and excited, they just do what they were told to do in training, right? Mm. And somehow magically it works for them, right? right? Then you've got our experts that have gone through the training, like you said, they've been on the phones, they've had great closes. And then as time goes on, they start to, a few things happen. They start to overthink because now you've gotten some objections, right? Now you have a track record of people saying no to you. So sometimes you're anticipating objections before they actually even happen, right? Mm. So you're going through your pitch and you're like, oh my God, you prejudge them. And you think, oh my God, this person sounds like they're going to give me an objection at the end. So they're kind of playing tricks on their own mind. They're looking for those obstacles because they're the experts, right? Then they're listening to other people near them, right? And they're trying to, Bob sounds really good on the phone. Oh my God, what's he saying over there? Okay, all right, that's what he's saying. Okay, I'm going to use that line for myself. Now they're out of character because that's not their personality. One of our mm -hmm. big things in training is, listen, this is sales, but sales isn't where you have to sound like someone else or do some, you know, sales is just helping people mm -hmm. read the script, follow the format, put your own personality into it, be yourself. So mm -hmm. what people end up doing is they, they start picking up lines from top closers that they think it's going to work for them. And they just put themselves in a slump, right? So normally in those situations, what I tell people, go back to your day one training. Let's Let's erase everything that you've learned so far. Let's go ahead and start with a clean slate. We're going to start with day one training again. Here are your basics. Stop everything else you're doing. Go back to reading that script word for word. Back to the basics. Mm -hmm. Well, I go ahead. That's for people that are in a slump, mm -hmm. right? For people that just might become a bad apple, you know, a little ball of negativity. Uh, they either have to get it together quick or, you know, we're, we, we have to get rid of the bad apples. Well, I think that's important too, right? Because it's as a business owner, like hiring quickly and firing quickly is important because somebody that has stayed there welcome too long can also hurt the team as well. Like that's something you really do have to consider. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, again, you know, we, we go and we, we have our trainers, they go, they go into 
we have our one-on-one pep talks and we're trying to figure out, is this person, you know, we want to know what their goals are. We want to know that something happened. You know, for example, I remember we had one of our top closers. This is a guy that constantly on top of the board for months and months and months on end. And then all of a sudden he starts falling off, but he's one of those guys that doesn't ever talk about his problems. He's actually so good that it's hard to ever tell that he's got a problem going on anywhere because anything that happens, he shakes it off. He's back at work. He, not, you know, nothing could stop this guy. Right. And the mm-hmm. best salesmen are the guys that are able to trick themselves. Right. Like after a no, they're able to shake it off. They're able, I don't encourage any use of tobacco, but they're able to go out, smoke a cigarette, shake it off, do some pushups. They're back in the, you know, back in action. Well, this guy starts to fall off and his production starts going down. Now it's like two weeks in a row. And we're like, Hmm, this guy is like our top, you know, what's going on. We bring him into an office. We find out that he just got some really bad news about his wife and you know, she's ill and his mind's just not in the right place. Now, what do I do with a person like that? I can't, you know, in that situation, it's a delicate situation. In that situation, it's just, listen, we're here for you, man. Mm-hmm. Anything that you need, whatever you need, let us know. You know, a few weeks go by and the situation gets better. He's, he's able to better deal with it and he's right back in action, right? Mm-hmm. So there's so many different things that can happen. You have to figure out, first we have to just ask some fishing questions and figure out, is this person just bad for our team? Is this, is this a bad apple? Or is there a situation that kind of went left and we kind of played by ear depending on that. But we're very, very good at telling, you know, if they're just a bad, you know, if they've just gone, if they're just expired, right? There's mm-hmm. life cycles to everything. If they're expired, sure. they're, you know, we, we, we let them go. So let me ask you this, Jay, um, you know, in, in building these businesses and scaling to the level you have, I guess, what is the number one lesson you've learned? If you, if you had to, if you had to kind of, I know that's difficult to stew it down to one thing, but if you had to say there's one lesson you've learned, what is that? Strike while the iron's hot. Um, so once, you know, once you see things are working from all angles for for us, for insurance, right? The four pillars that the insurance business stands on aside from culture, right? Is lead generation or leads, sales processes, recruiting of agents and the retention of your business book of business and your employees. Those Mm. are the four pillars that the insurance business stands on, right? If all four of those things are going well, scaling that business while things are going well, that's the lesson that I've learned. Mm -hmm. Um, In 2010, when we first started out, we started out to do very well. Things were going great. And we were, we started to scale pretty immediately. Right. And just for a little context, I started the business, the investors put in $32,000 for the business. We were paid back and profitable within five months. Wow. That 32,000 was paid back and we're profitable in five months. Right. At that point, we could have went ahead and scaled that thing, but we kind of kept it stagnant and we kept it stagnant Mm -hmm. because of all the background noise. So as an entrepreneur, you know, as a new entrepreneur at the time, we let the background noise really get to us. So at the time, this is 2010, you know, now we're creeping into 2012. We start hearing about, um, 
a bunch of rumblings about how Obama is, you know, is changing the health insurance game and how every state, you know, the federal exchange and the ACA, Obamacare is really going to ruin our business because we started out with selling limited med plans, short term major medicals. There's a huge market for those people because uh, people, the only way you could get major medical insurance at that time was if you were, if it was private and you were healthy or if you had insurance through an employer. Otherwise, mm. health insurance was just very expensive. So people took the alternative routes and went with limited med plans and went with short-term major medicals. So anyway, we heard and rumblings that this Obamacare, Affordable Care Act, insurance for everyone, no pre-existing condition discrimination is really going to ruin our business. So we stayed stagnant. In fact, we closed up that first book of business. Like, wow. All right, let's sit back and see what's going to happen. We, we started it up really fast and scaled it. And, I went crazy, but I think the number one lesson that I learned is strike while the iron's hot. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I read a book, uh, rich dad, poor dad. I'm sure you, you know, a lot of yeah, absolutely. entrepreneurs have read that book. And I, and I remember a line specifically that stuck with me. It said, if you want to build a house, you lay down a six foot slab and you build a house on it. All too often people want to build this empire and they lay down a six foot slab. Well, that empire is going to tip over. So the other thing that I've learned is if you're going to grow your front end, your your back end or your slab needs to be three times as strong. Mm. So those are my, my two lessons that I've learned. Well, Jay, I've really enjoyed this conversation, man. For people listening, you know, where can they connect with you? Where can they find out more about you? Sure. If you go to onecallclosesale.com, I have a, a really special giveaway for our audience here, onecallclosesale.com. You can go on there and for free, you can download a one call close guide. So I put together a guide that shows all my experience over the last over a decade on how to one call close is in that guide. And you can just go on there and just download it for free. Very cool. Well, Jay Abdul Aziz, thank you so much for hanging out with me today, man. Nice to meet you. Have a good one. 